at Southern Company, we know the right solutions start with the right questions. How do we deliver reliable energy and overcome unpredictable challenges? How do we get to net zero carbon emissions and ensure communities thrive? How do we deliver affordable energy today and tomorrow? Southern Company, building the future of energy. Welcome to Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Sponsored by Hope in Mission, LLC. To connect with the show, go to insungkim.org. That's I-N-S-E-O-N-G-K-I-M dot O-R-G. Or listen to InSung on OnePlace.com. And now it's time for Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, InSung Kim. Hello, this is InSung Kim from Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. And we have a special guest, Emily Osmond. Sujan B. Anthony Pro-Life America is with us. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, Insung, thank you so much for having me on to share today. It's truly an honor. Thank you. Yes, uh, Emily Osman is published author, bilingual international communicator with a 13 years experience working with the media. She supported international media strategy in over 100 countries. Wow. And she's currently vice president of the communication at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, communicating and fighting for human rights to life. Thank you so much for being with us. Yes, absolutely. Very happy to be here and to share with you and your audience what's going on around the country. Yes, and you're the third guest from the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. And for our guests, please just briefly share uh, with us about Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. Yes, absolutely. Well, Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America is a wonderful organization. We are based um, right outside of D.C. And what we do is we really advocate for pro-life policies, politics to serve both mothers of unplanned pregnancies and to help save their babies. Mm, yes. And and also um, just share with us about how you were able to involve in Sujan B. Anthony Pro-Life America and about yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I have a few big reasons why this is so important to me. The first being I actually did not grow up in the United States. Oh, wow. I grew up overseas in Taiwan. Um, from 80s, 90s, 2000s. Um, and, and for me, I had a very front row view of what a relaxed abortion policy looked like in a country. When mm-hmm. you have a country of, of people who use abortion as birth control, and I saw what that did to the humanity of, of the country, particularly when um, there were children who were girls that were unwanted. Um, at that time when I was growing up there, culturally speaking, girls were not, um, you know, as wanted as mm. boys. And mm-hmm. so therefore oftentimes targets of abortion. Now, I also in Taiwan had a front row view of the abortion embracing policies of mainland China. Mm. And that was very, very scary to hear about, to see, and just very worrisome that our country right now 
is really trying to embrace the Chinese abortion policy of unlimited abortion um, at any time for any reason on demand. That really worries me. And in the last five years, and so I have to tell you, I'm starting to see that, not only on the ground here around D.C. and the legislation, but just with people my age who are really saying no, under no conditions, should there be any limits on abortion. And that should worry not just those of us that are pro-life, but those are the others who are pro-choice as well. I mean, this really is not the the best way for for a country, for a culture, for humanity at all. So I'm very concerned about that. But secondly, I speak from personal experience. I um, had two unplanned pregnancies by 22 mm-hmm. um, um, from two different fathers, and I uh, just had you know, a lot of vulnerability there mm-hmm. when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And um, I had people that were trying to um, influence me to abort my children. Mm-hmm. But I'm really thankful that every step along the way, I had other people who told me that it was okay, that I could make it, that I could do it, um, that my children had value, you know. And so mm-hmm. I was able to have them speak into my life. And now I have two kids. Well, one just turned 18, so I guess he's an adult. Wow. Um, and I have an open adoption with him and his mm-hmm. parents. And then I have my daughter who's 15. So I'm so thankful for their lives. Wow, that's an amazing story. So how long you were in the overseas? How many years? So about 16 to 17 years. So I, I, my whole life, that's the earliest I remember, is growing up overseas, speaking both English and Chinese and, and growing up wow. in that culture. And so how old were you when, when you came to America? I was 18 to go to college. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I came to U.S. when I was 23. So, oh, wow. Yeah, from South Korea. And probably you and I have the same view. You, We can see from outside in, right, from the both countries, right. uh, even China and also U.S., that you can have a different perspective, right? That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think people born here, grew up here, uh, they hear the same message all the time. I don't think they have different view other than what they've been told, right? Yeah. In fact, where, where I grew up in Taiwan, there was, there really wasn't any pro-life uh, messages or, or views um, at all. You know, like I said, it was just abortion um, as birth control, really, and um, late-term abortion, um, and then, of course, seeing China as well with with the one-child policy and everything that that took um, with really maximizing abortion in country. It was, you know, just really sad to see because uh, mostly it was the women who were at the detriment mm. of those policies. And so in China, Taiwan, are they outspoken about enforcing the abortion or it just kind of subtle in the society that everybody knows everybody does it well like in in taiwan it's a little different from china so where i grew up in taiwan Mm -hmm. um i'll just give you an example my father was a pastor and my mother was also very active in in the church and you know with missionaries and working alongside and and it really was just abortion was so infused in the culture that it was nothing for women to have six seven eight abortions Mm -hmm. um but what it was really interesting is there weren't a lot of pro-life messages at the country at the time, but yet the women um, would still say, I feel uneasy about this. Mm. And they don't have any outside pressure from, you know, pro-lifers, but yet they're still saying, I wish this wasn't the way. Mm. I wish I didn't have to do this. I wish I had support mm. to keep my children. And what I find so interesting is that 
studies in America show the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even different countries, you know, a world apart, really, an entire ocean apart. And yet women that we find in these studies say after they have an abortion, they wanted to keep their child. And they would have if mm-hmm. they had had the emotional and or financial support, mm-hmm. but they didn't have that. So they, they felt this, this was either coerced or in, um, inconsistent with what they would wanted to have done. And that's so sad to me that we would find it easier to funnel someone to an abortion rather than doing, you know, the better and the harder work of, of helping and supporting her either financially or emotionally. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even 1980, I think it has a peak of the abortion in, in, in America after the Roe versus Wade and mm-hmm. didn't have ultrasound all those times. Um, I think th- uh, there are many uh, women uh, in my age and older um, probably didn't even know what was going on at the time. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. ignorance and and it's much more educated with a, by the pro-life movement for over years and uh, 80, 90, 2000, now it's, tw- it's 23. Uh, but before there was not much information, even South Korea, not even words was mentioned while, while I was growing up and whole society was absolutely underground work and nobody talked about what was really going on. And I think it's still, yeah, yeah still in South Korea is very uh, not outspoken about the issue of abortion. So probably a lot of other countries the same way. So, yeah. yeah. yeah go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say something you touched on there that is very interesting to me is that with the advancements of science, we really have so much better technology to see inside the womb and to see the humanity of the child. You know, in the development, we understand that with every with every passing decade, we understand it better and better. Mm-hmm. And what we see in the pro-life community is that when you provide the scientific advancements and technology to mm-hmm. women, particularly if you show them the ultrasound, mm-hmm. um, they are I mean, it really is such a, a mind change and a game changer because they understand that, oh, it's not just a clump of cells in there. Mm-hmm. It's a developed human being. Absolutely. And that really, and, and they can see with their own eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think it, it's very, educational piece of it is, is absolutely important more and more. And, and also a lot of healing and uh, support uh, of, in our society is necessary in our time. So, yeah, and also you served as a uh, uh, senior manager and humanitarian with the American Red Cross National Headquarters as well. I did. And for me, this was a very seamless transition to go from supporting human rights at one organization to now supporting the human rights of of both the mother, Mm -hmm. who I believe is being underserved by abortion, and her child, who Mm -hmm. is being terminated by the abortion. Yeah. So when did you learn about this Planned Parenthood? Oh, well, I have to be honest with you. I did not understand the magnitude mm-hmm. of the business side of Planned Parenthood until I started digging in the last few years. Oh, wow. I mean, wow, to understand how much money mm-hmm. they rake in. One of the things that I think as Americans, we really don't understand when we are having this discussion mm-hmm. about pro-life um, versus pro-abortion mm-hmm. uh, is that these are not two... Um, human rights groups, uh, t- you know, going against one another. 
there is a human rights group going against an industry, mm-hmm. uh, a for-profit mm-hmm. industry mm-hmm. Um, that relies uh, m- overwhelming majority of their services are abortions, and that can range anywhere from hundreds of dollars to tens of thousands of dollars that they are uh, raking in from the woman to get the abortion. Mm-hmm. I was shocked to see on their last annual report, listen to this, they made an income $1.97 billion with a B, Planned Parenthood. What year? Yeah, uh, that was 2021 annual report. Can you imagine mm-hmm. how much that would have that money could help women across the country? Mm-hmm. I mean, but that is the profit that they are making off of the backs of, of women in the most vulnerable stages of their lives. So to view it as anything other than a business would be would be incorrect. Mm-hmm. Do you have a statistic shows 19, 20, 21, 22? I mean, is it? escalate more during the COVID or is it the same? I'd be very interested. So what we have, their latest that they provided a few months ago was Mm -hmm. 2021. And then we have everything previous to that, that we can compare Mm -hmm. um, in rates. Mm -hmm. Um, So we will wait to see Mm -hmm. what the post row, you know, the Dobbs decision, what that looks like. But what we have to rely on right now is their latest filing of 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And and also I've got some information about... uh, in the midst of the your interview with uh, um, uh, uh, with you, and there was a Gavin uh, Newsom's pick of the radical pro- abortion advo- advocate. Uh, oh yeah, Alf- Alfonso Alfonso Butler. That's right. Yeah, please share with us about what happened. Yeah, this is fascinating to me. So. I think many of your listeners will know that recently uh, California Senator Dianne Feinstein passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, And in her absence, there is an open seat on the Senate seat um, in in the U.S. Congress. Mm -hmm. So there was a ruling that Governor Gavin Newsom Mm -hmm. would handpick who he wanted to put in that position until there's an election. Mm -hmm. So there were many candidates that he could have picked from in California. Mm -hmm. But what he ended up doing was was striking he picked someone who was not even a California resident. She was oh. listed as a Maryland Maryland resident, um, oh. and she was the president of Emily's List, mm. which is an abortion lobby. They are a multi-million dollar Democratic donor. Mm. Um, they raise, you know, millions to support um, politicians that are going to puppet what they want them to say um, in regards to pushing and advancing abortion legislation. So that. The fact that he, you know, bent over backwards to find someone who wasn't even a California resident, ignore the other candidates, Democratic candidates that were available. And then in broad daylight, not even behind closed doors, you know, make a deal to uh, this pay to play scenario and pick an abortion lobby president. Um, that's just so striking. You know, we know that Democrats and abortion lobbyists, they they have a long history together but this is out in the open i mean this is very blatant blatant now this move so and another thing i want to point out for your listeners is that lafonza butler was recently quoted as saying after she was picked by governor gavin newsom that every dollar should go to protect abortion in this country that struck me in song because 
that's such a change in messaging from what you would hear from Democrats in the 90s. You know, it was abortion should be safe, legal, but rare. But now, and they would always mention women's rights, but now mm. they've completely erased mentioning woman, women, mother. You can't say that anymore, according to them. Mm. And it's protect abortion at all costs and put money towards abortion. Mm. So for me, it's just so sad that it's at the altar of abortion on demand versus the individual needs of the woman that mm. is the focus. Mm. So first of all, can out-of-state um, person, personnel can come to different states and be a senator? Well, they said that, apparent, and, and I'll have to go back and look. So she was registered as a Maryland resident, but they said there was some loop around because I think she had a house in California. Don't quote me on this. Oh. But I think she was able to, what happened right after he picked her was oh. that she quickly registered in California. So they smoothed the waters, I guess, on that point. But it was interesting that everything that she had, including her Twitter Twitter mm-hmm. bio, had mm-hmm. Maryland resident. And then after he announced, they scrubbed mm-hmm. all of that from the Internet, and we watched them delete it in real time. Mm, because senator means representing that state, which means who live there, mm-hmm. um, know about that state, and representing that particular state of the community. So coming out of different state, how much she will know about that California that be a representative. That's another question that we have to kind of think about. That's, that's very interesting. And another uh, question is, what was the organization, the pro-life uh, lobbyist you mentioned? Well, she was a pro-abortion lobbyist, and the um, group that she was a president of uh-huh. is called Emily's, Emily's List. Oh, Emily's List. Is that Emily's and List? They- mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, just for your so you understand deeper uh-huh. their commitments to abortion with the Democratic Party um, in 2020 in the presidential election they spent 112 million dollars and then in the 2022 midterms they spent 102 million dollars all for Democrats. So are they uh, supporting candidates, pro-choice yes. candidates? Um, mm-hmm. That's okay. correct. So is to it, advance abortion? Okay. So does Emily List is relate to the Planned Parenthood? Is there, do they have some relationship between them? Well, Emily's List is a lobby, mm-hmm. and then Planned Parenthood has has a section of its business that is a lobby, but they also are a business and an industry as well. Mm-hmm. So they're not related, but um, they oftentimes work together to push the pro-abortion messaging and, advance, and uh, you know, try to get as much abortion and legislation as possible. Mm. Yeah, because... As an immigrant, first generation, uh, something that I really don't understand what is what is uh, the real message is about. Is it really for women or for family, for the country? Uh, mm. It's it just confusing to me. Like, how can, I mean, I understand they try to help women uh, to protecting their life, uh, but um, just heavily promoting and raising a money at that part i don't understand what do they do with that money and basically well i, I, I have to push back on that a little bit i am very worried because i mean like i said what we used to hear mm-hmm. and this is this is really what prompted me to join sba mm-hmm. pro-life america because i've seen such a change mm-hmm. in the way that they push these things 
what we used to hear back in the 80s and 90s, and, and even, I'll tell you this, even the president of SBA Pro-Life America, she used to work for a pro-life Democrat. Mm. So the Democratic Party did not used to only be abortion only. Mm-hmm. But now what we're seeing is, and RFK Jr. is a very good example. I mean, look what happened with him recently. He mm-hmm. came out and said, when asked by NBC reporter, do you support any limitations on abortion? Mm-hmm. And he said, I truly believe that after the first trimester, there should be limits on abortion. Mm-hmm. She asked him a few times. He repeated it. And he thought nationally that there should be some limits on abortion after the first trimester. Mm-hmm. Well, he got in so much trouble with the Democratic Party. His consultant slapped him back in the box and mm-hmm. said, you better issue a statement and change your mind because we don't say a single limit to put on abortion. So mm-hmm. the next day, less than 24 hours, mm-hmm. he a statement is pushed out from his camp and then from him right afterwards that said, oh, I'm so sorry. I did not hear the question correctly. I do not believe in any limits. There should mm-hmm. be no limits um, on abortion for women. And sadly, in some, this is this is the new Democratic Party that we are dealing with. This is why I'm so fired up about this, mm-hmm. because this no limits that they'll cite Um, abortion on demand policy, that is not caring for the woman. That is not taking her individual needs or understandings Mm -hmm. into play. That is something else entirely. Mm. So just please clarify us. I'm doing this over and over and again. Uh, Clarify us with the reversal of Roe versus does not mean uh, banning completely abortion, even including when the women are facing death and life situation. Absolutely. Let let me go ahead and dispel this lie right now. There is not a single state in the entire country, in the United States, that if for whatever reason, life-saving reason, that a woman has an emergency um, where she needs her life saved, um, abortion is not the only mechanism to save her life in those situations if she's pregnant. However, every state allows for an abortion to be used, if that is the procedure that um, the the doctor would uh, use to mm-hmm. save her life. So I just want to be very clear that every state in America does allow for an abortion if a woman is facing a life-endangering uh, pregnancy or situation. That mm-hmm. is a fact. Okay. Well, what about uh, you mentioned about miscarriage and all that other situations, right, that there's a misconception? Yeah, this is so troubling to me because miscarriage is not abortion. Mm -hmm. A miscarriage is something entirely different that a woman faces. That is when your child passes away in your womb. Mm -hmm. An abortion, not by just pro-life definition, but by every definition from both sides of this discussion, Mm -hmm. is when you terminate um, a child that is living, Mm -hmm. that is is alive in your womb. Mm -hmm. So the two are not the same at all. Mm -hmm. And an ectopic pregnancy, as we know, is when that pregnancy is implanted Um, in the fallopian tubes. And that is the procedure to treat that is not an abortion. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even Planned Parenthood used to have that on their website until I think a year or two ago when they completely scrubbed it and and they changed it. And so I'm just so upset that they are trafficking in confusion and chaos. We should be, for women, we should be as clear as Mm-hmm. and as transparent as mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. because whatever type of pregnancy you have it is so important if you have a miscarriage 
mm-hmm. to let you know that you can receive that care. Or if you have an ectopic pregnancy, that you are not mm-hmm. getting an abortion mm-hmm. to, to treat that. We even saw that in Ohio. Ohio has an abortion ballot on right now, and the AG had to come out and say, listen, pro-abortion side, you cannot say on this ballot, it's completely misleading to say that mm-hmm. women are not going to be treated for miscarriages with abortion. They're not the mm-hmm. same, so they got in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, time is uh, really close right now, so please share with us where our audience can go to the website and learn about your organization and also be educated. Oh, absolutely. I think we we have got to educate ourselves, not just on the development of the child and the womb and the science, because Mm -hmm. sadly the other side is becoming science deniers, and we've really got to take up that mantle. But also we've got to um, vote our values and find out which candidates represent what we believe truly Mm -hmm. on this issue. So I encourage everyone to go to sbaprolife.org. Yes, uh, we are going to uh, continue our program with uh, Emily Osman. Uh, it was cut off. I think time was uh, over. And so, uh, yes, we are going to continue our program with Emily Osman next week. And thank you for listening from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We'll be back next week. Thank you. There are so many reasons to vote this November 7th, 140 of them, in fact. This election, all 140 seats in the Virginia House and Senate are up for grabs. That gives you a lot of say in how this state is run. So mark your calendar for November 7th or take advantage of early voting now through November 4th. Make your voting plan today at vote.virginia.gov. That's vote.virginia.gov.